Welcome back to Beers and Careers. I'm your host, Mark Augustinelli. And uh, Beers and Careers is sponsored by the Davis Companies, www.davisco.com. Davis is a full-service staffing firm that offers IT, engineering, and manufacturing uh, placements, amongst other products, including managed service programs and a bunch of other uh, programs that help you find the best talent available in your local market. Uh, today's guest is Greg Lazarus, and Greg is, Greg's got an awesome story. I think if I'm a recent uh, high school grad or about to be a college grad or maybe going through a career change early in my career, I definitely think um, this podcast was for you. We explored uh, the world of sales. Greg's been to two, uh, been through two IPOs at uh, prominent companies and now is in a, a different world working on his own. We discussed failures, success, the skill sets required, and uh, and just generally had a good time. Greg's, Greg's a good buddy and uh, made this one particularly easy to uh, to record. So I hope you guys had a blast and enjoy. Well, Greggy Laz, cheers, man. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Yeah, happy Thursday. Mm. Great day. Ooh. Ooh, first drink of the day. First sip of hard booze of the day. What uh, uh, yeah. drinking? At least it's five thirty for you. Wait, I'm still yeah. too dirty for me. <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good. Uh, what would you ask? Sorry. I said, what are you drinking? I'm drinking an Abalor Scotch whiskey. It's a Highland single malt Scotch. Somebody that actually used to be on my team uh, gave it to me as a gift. Nice. Very nice. You know what? I poured bourbon in my haste to get ready, but I realized I did have scotch on my counter. I apologize. It's That's all the okay. same. That can be your it second one if you want. It all looks the same. It um, all looks the same. Well, last, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Um, welcome to Beers and Careers. For those um, who don't know me well or uh, maybe haven't been following along too much. Uh, Greg and I are uh, good mates here. We um, went to college together and then uh, and then that is not where our relationship ended. We hang out uh, as much as possible, even though Greg is in San Fran. So uh, really appreciate you joining us and being willing to have a cocktail at 2.30 uh, your time. So no thanks, problem. man. It was so hard to convince me to to join and also have a cocktail at two thirty. It's uh, yeah, you're <laughs> you're my top recruit. You're my top recruit. They were the hardest one to look at. Um, <laughs> the uh, let's let's um, if it's alright with you, let's just kick it off with the quick rapid fires just to warm up uh, a little bit here. Um, you're drinking scotch, but what's your favorite drink? Cocktail libation. Uh, it's got to be Negroni. Oh, God. I should just fill this up for you. <laughs> All right. It's got to so be a Negroni. Negronis are great. Uh, favorite curse word? Fuck. Uh, it seems to be a uh, perennial favorite on beers and careers. This is so good. Uh, favorite guilty pleasure? Ice cream. Oh. Oh, that's a good one, man. That one's simple, but no one, no one's done, no one's had that one yet. I don't know why. For some reason, that really resonates with me. Maybe it's the pints. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, good, I'm in good. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in good company with that one on this call. 
Oh, yes. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, do you have a favorite quote? Are you a quote guy? Uh, I'm not a big quote guy, but I do have a favorite quote. Uh, and it, it actually, I, it might be actually yours as well. Uh, but it's, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, Wayne Gretzky. Yes. And uh, I've, I've really, I think I've lived pretty much my life by that. So, yes, yeah, I, that, that would be it. That one definitely resonates. Uh, Michael Scott, too, said that, I think. <laughs> that actually, yeah, Wayne Gretzky took it from Michael Scott. <laughs> um, that is, uh, that's so good. I think the last one I'll ask you um, as we go through, did you, when along your, when along, when in your life is probably a better way to start by asking it, did uh, you transition from this is my job, like, fuck, I got to go to my job to, ah, oh, this is my career. Like everything, even, even though I'm taking lumps, it's worthwhile. And I see the longer term picture. Um, mm-hmm. Did you have any moments like that along the way? Yeah, I think I had many, I think I had many moments like that. I think I had a, a moment that I knew this was going to be my career or what I should be doing uh, when I was living in London, which I'll tell everybody about that in a second. But uh, more importantly, when I actually moved from New York City with Yelp to uh, San Francisco with Optimizely and got into SaaS software, uh, I was like, wow, sales is definitely a career. This is yeah. something that I want to be doing long term. Uh, and that was like the aha moment. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I was um, – honestly, Greg, I've, we've, uh, we have – we're very fortunate to have quite a band of brothers from college. And, yep. uh, and also, you know, beyond that band of brothers, uh, a lot of successful ones for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the reason I was the most excited, you're the first friend that made it to the podcast. So you should, ha- I mean, I, it, means sure. a lot. it means a lot. Yeah. And for those listening, we all get together every July. Cause now there's uh, most of us live on the East coast, but we are still scattered about, we all get together in July, uh, for what is becoming a reunion. So I'm sure Greg, when you arrive, please make sure you hold that against everyone else. Um, I will, I will. And also we now, because it's quarantine time, we now all meet every Saturday. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. We've been doing this Saturday night. Oh, oh my God. Um, my Sunday mornings have been difficult during quarantine. <laughs> Um, but I, the re- what I was saying with that is we've got a lot of successful friends, but I think you, your story is uh, really unique and interesting because of uh, time in which we grew up in, right? We, we graduated from college in 2008, and um, I, I, you know, I feel like a lot of folks that are our age, our demographic, wanted to get into the unicorn game, right? Facebook had become a unicorn. Uh, I don't know where Twitter was at the time. I certainly wasn't a Twitter user then, but obviously it's become way bigger. That means nothing. But And your story includes a few IPOs and uh, a pretty non-traditional path. The whole reason I started this podcast was I felt like uh, the way in which my career was supposed to go based on the educational system was not the way life actually happens. And I feel like yours is such a good example. So maybe... Can you maybe start, I mean, we don't have to go through your, like your, your biography, so to speak. I don't want to, you know, keep it too long, but if you can just give like the reader's digest version of like graduated from college to now in, a, in you know, a minute or two. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it's great to be here. So thanks for having me. Uh, and yeah, I wanted to say Mike's originally from Chicago. 
so already not very ordinary. Just most people who go there are, are from the East Coast. 10 days after we graduated uh, in 2008, we actually all moved to Australia, which uh, was an amazing experience coaching and playing lacrosse. Uh, we lived about 40 yards from the beach, bartended and uh, played lacrosse. That was pretty much our job. Uh, after Australia, you guys all actually ended up going home. Mark, you stayed in Australia. A few folks went home. I actually moved to London. That's right. Where I continued to look, continued the lacrosse career. I actually got paid to play uh, in London. And I was living with a host family in central London, which was an amazing experience. And I was a lacrosse development officer there for the English Lacrosse Association. And when I was in London, I actually learned that I could play lacrosse, uh, that I was eligible to play lacrosse for the German national team. Uh, as well. My grandparents are uh, German, they're German refugees, uh, and my grandmother is a Holocaust survivor. And in parallel to all that, I was actually uh, recruiting and coaching students at inner city schools in London, lacrosse, and trying to convince them to actually quit soccer and join lacrosse, which is really hard, but I was actually the number one lacrosse development officer at that specific task. And that's when I had the aha moment that, wait, maybe I should do some sort of sales or recruiting uh, I'm really good at this, and uh, people are recognizing me for that work. And that was always in my head at this time. Uh, but before I got into that, I actually ended up contacting, cold calling some guy in Germany uh, and asking him if I could come try out for the German national team because I was eligible. Made it to the last tryout, ended up making the German national team. They allocate three spots on their team for non-born Germans, uh, but have German ancestry. So I ended up making that team one of three North Americans to be on the team and ended up playing lacrosse in the 2010 World Games for Germany, played against USA, Canada, Australia, Japan, and many other uh, great teams. Um, and then after that, I pretty much milked lacrosse for all I had. So I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> for all I could give. So uh, I actually ended up moving from the UK to New York City where I actually got connected with uh, one of our old teammates, Brandon Cobelt, great guy, connected me with one of his best childhood friends, Luke Doherty. Uh, Luke was working at Yelp.com. And I knew that I wanted to get into sales because of what I was doing in London. And I knew that uh, I wanted to get into tech because at the time, like you were just mentioning, tech was really hot, like 2009, 10. That's when things were really starting to get really interesting in the technology space. And so I, uh, I moved to New York. Everyone was telling me about Yelp. Uh, it's a great way to find a, a good restaurant in a massive city. Luke ended up working there. He was there for a year or so before I got there, and uh, he got me an interview. I somehow got the job, uh, and the job was making 120 cold calls a day to local businesses to sell them advertising. And I was there for a few years. Uh, one of the other Americans on the German national team, his name was Matt Althauser. Matt uh, is one of my closest friends uh, in the world right now. He was the first non-technical hire, so the first non-engineer at Optimizely in San Francisco, which would end up being my second company. So Matt would call me every week and say, hey, Greg, quit uh, Yelp. It's already IPO'd, uh, move across the country and help me build Optimizely. And I ended up taking a risk, uh, quit a very established, very good job, established company, very good job, moved across the country to be the 12th employee at a, at a software company. Um, and then became actually took two to three steps back in my career and actually joined as an SDR to build their SDR function. Uh, and then that's sales development, rep. sales development, rep yeah, for those sales development. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So sales development representative. And so I, 
moved then into an account executive role, and then I moved into leadership role after hiring our boss, Travis Bryant. Uh, we, I, I went into building the SMB, small, medium-sized business, middle market and corporate sales teams on the West Coast. And then they uh, shipped me back to New York City where I built and ran the East Coast market for them. So after about four and a half years, I was there. We grew the business from 2 million to 80 million in revenue. Uh, and pretty good, that's was, pretty good. I don't know if you're a math guy, that's pretty good. <laughs> it was a pretty good run. Uh, and it was one of the fastest growing SaaS companies ever based off of our trajectories. And uh, after a little under five years, I actually moved back to California to San Francisco where I became the chief revenue officer at a, a rapidly growing software and FinTech company called uh, Returnly. We focused on returns exchanges and refunds uh, for online retailers. And yeah, I ran all go to market. So all sales development, sales, uh, technical support, client onboarding, partnerships, customer success, you name it. Uh, it's the business is still doing great and left at the end of last year to do advising and consulting. And I'm also building a private equity fund uh, where we buy profitable software companies and grow them with our operational expertise with Matt Altauser, the guy who uh, recruited me to Optimizely and who we played the cross with on the German national team. I know. It sounds like you got to do one of these with Matt too one time, because I feel like we know a lot of the same people and I've never met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually thought about bringing him on this time, but I think maybe we'll have another one. He's in Germany, so we have to we have to have bourbon a little bit earlier in the morning, which is totally fine. That's totally fine. That's totally fine. I mean, do you? What what I found was so interesting too. A lot, and the reason I wanted to have you on was chasing IPOs is um, something that a lot of people talk about, and then but it's not you did it. Like you actually chased some IPOs and. Um, had some positive exits from what I understand. I mean, you and I don't get into that from a personal level too often, but you had some positive exits. Talk, can you tell me about like the personal life piece of like, I remember when you were going, you were living in, you were in New York and you were like, I'm taking the job in San Fran. And then I think the next time I saw you, you're like, I'm going back to New York. And we were like, what are you doing? And And I think like, the odd thing about it is I remember when we had the conversation at the time being like, man, Greg doesn't have his shit together. But then when you look back at it, it was like, wow, Greg had it dialed. Like he he didn't give a shit about the um uh what the how turbulent maybe moving cross country could be and took yeah. advantage of the opportunity. So that had to be uh that had to be a weird time though, back and forth, back and forth. I've moved to I've moved eight times not to different cities, but since we graduated St. Mike's and so that's eight uh, times, that goes back. That's eight times in 12 years. Yeah. And that goes to the, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And each one of them are just opportunities that I thought it'd be, I'd rather the upside knowing I tried to get that for that upside than not trying and just missing out on that potential. So I, I really was like, let's swing for the fences here each time and see what happens. And knock on wood, like each one of them has so far gone all right. Yeah, uh, that's a uh, that's a that's a cool thing to hang your hat on too, though. Do you have along the way was there were there moments of doubt, like specifically? I mean, obviously there are moments of doubt, but like, do you can you share with us maybe a story or two of when you were like, man, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing, and maybe the scenario of how that how that all occurred. Um, yeah, you know, I think anytime you move, you do go through this 
crazy mental exercise. I, I call it the curve of acceptance. And the curve of move, acceptance. Really, yeah, anytime I move, or anytime you move, or anytime you really do anything new, you do this thing where it's like a few weeks of bliss. You're like, this is the best decision of my life. And you're high. And then after those few weeks or months, it kind of is this dip. You realize, man, I'm far from home. Was this the right move? I took two steps back in my career, like optimizing. Uh, what do people think? And then you kind of build your, back, your way back up to normal. And so each actually time I've moved or made a big life change, it's been that like super high and then low, am I doing the right thing? And then getting back up. And so I think like the, mo the one that I just referred to was uh, when I first moved to San Francisco from uh, New York for Optimizely, where I, I left really good friends at Yelp. I left New York City, which I loved. East Coast, which was close to you guys up in Massachusetts. Yeah. Very comfortable for me. God's the East country. Coast. God's country. <laughs> 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 um, and uh, yeah, I moved across the country. I knew Matt and maybe one or so other people, but I didn't really know anybody. And I restarted my life. And I actually, again, I took two steps back in my career. Uh, and if Optimizely didn't work, I was there at this SDR role, that sales development role, which again was two steps back from where I was before. So it was a huge risk. And I definitely thought like, okay, this has to work. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Which is, which is good pressure. You mentioned something along the way, the doubt of, which I think is something that everyone struggles with, but particularly, um, when you're younger and less mature, I don't want to say immature, but we all know we're getting more mature by the day, right? Like as people in our mid thirties, do you feel like one of the things that, one of the qualities, Greg, I've always admired about you has been your ability to not give a fuck about what other people think, right? Where in your life was that forged? Because you even said it, you were like, I visited when I was in San Fran, you're like, I was thinking about what do people think of me? I mean, I mentioned it to you. I was like, we were like, Greg, what are you doing moving back again? Like, wait, was that a, is that a parent thing? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, uh, I think I actually, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I think I always have to thank like my parents for always encouraging me to do what I wanted to do. They never put pressure on me to do anything. Um, and so I think that has to come into play. I think some of it has to do with believing in yourself. And I have just like blind, dumb face in my ability. It doesn't come from anywhere, by the way. It's just like, wow, I have, let's go. I think I can do this. Yeah. Um, you probably saw that when we, when we played lacrosse, like he's going to shoot that ball right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, 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 um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I think I also, the, it adds some pressure and, you know, at the end of the day, I'm human. I do care what people think. I do care what you guys think and thought on the East coast. Uh, I did really care about what my peers at Yelp thought about this move because Yelp was kind of like a cult is the wrong word, but like a very tight knit group of people that when somebody left, they were like, really, they're leaving for that job or that company. And, and I really did care, but it, it, it fueled it, it. I used that to fuel my sort of drive awesome. to try to channel that. Um, awesome. So, yeah. What was what was the deciding factor in why you just were like, yeah, I'm going to do it? Because I'm guessing when you first heard out about the Optimizely experience, there had to be like, was it a was it a I'm doing this no matter what, or were you weighing it for a while? I bet if if we had Matt on the show, he would he would laugh because it took him so long to get me to move. 
Um, the story actually goes, the story actually goes like this. He would call me every week and tell me to quit. And I would say no, because Yelp was a little bit prior to going public. And I wanted to see that go through. Yeah. And I wanted that to and be. And you stayed uh, there when it went through. public, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, that was an amazing experience. And finally, I went to I went to San Francisco to work out of the San Francisco office and give some trainings, I think. And I went to go have lunch with Matt, uh, one of my closest friends, and he actually brought the entire Optimizely company at the time to lunch with me, the two founders and a bunch of people. And the full press, the full core press. He's super aggressive. <laughs> I love dude, if anybody I love hears him. this. Dude, if anybody hears this, who knows Matt, like this is classic. And he, but they were asking me really interesting questions, like, "What do you think about compensation plans for enterprise deals in this market?" We were strictly a self-service business before, and then how do we actually move from being self-service to direct selling with like humans? Right. And asking my opinion, I was like, holy shit, you care about this, like about my opinion about building your company? There's a world that, that cares about that. When I was at Yelp, it was an amazing experience, but it was already a super well-oiled machine. Yeah. So my job was to call and sell, which is totally fine. Um, but I realized that there's a world out there that like I could join something small, build and like make an actual huge impact if it works. And so after all of that, and after again, go, tying it back to what I was saying before about thinking about the upside and how it really outweighed the downside. Like if, if, if it didn't work, yeah, that would have sucked. But I was 25 at the time. Like I, right. in my mind, I thought I could just go get another job. Um, and so, so, so that's what I went through, but it was, it was probably three, four months of Matt trying to recruit wow. me, maybe five months uh, and him calling me every week. But that tied into some of the meetings he was having early days. He was meeting with a bunch of great companies. Um, and I was like, wow, you're meeting with CNN. That's crazy. Uh, this company seems legit. Yeah. So. Right. That's wild. That's uh, first of all, cool story. I did not know that. I didn't know it was that long a recording process. And kudos to Matt. That's a sick recruiting tool, by the way. He's, um, he's the most aggressive person I know. So even more aggressive than you. So it's uh <laughs> am I aggressive? Um I, <laughs> I uh what you said too about the uh, piece where your opinion was valued and you could do more, like not to totally take words out of your mouth, but it sounds like you were really interested in working on the business as opposed to just in the business. And that was a lot of the motivation. And I gotta say, when you said that to me, I literally was like, that's why I'm at Davis. Like, that's why I'm still here is because I get to work on the business and it's, 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 uh, it's so effing hard and comes mm -hmm. with so many challenges, but also so much opportunity that it's like, it's when people are always like, how come you're still there? It's like, I don't know. It's, the opportunities are growing and the challenges are growing. I don't understand why it wouldn't be. So that really resonates. If you can sink your teeth into yeah. something like that, man. Yep. No, 100%. Yeah, how, do you, and would you say that job was, was much more, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Yelp because I know you made a bunch of cash at Yelp, had a great lifestyle, enjoyed, enjoyed your time after hours, like Yelp funded your life. Uh, and, and, mm -hmm. and you always spoke highly of it. You referred our friends to there. You got other people jobs. Yeah. Would you say though, that your time at Optimizely and beyond was more fulfilling than your time at Yelp personally? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you hit it spot on. Like I'm so thankful for everything at Yelp. 
that it had to give me. The people I met there were some of my closest friends. I still keep in touch with many of them. Um, I learned everything I know in sales there and the hustle. Uh, yeah. Great people, great business. Uh, like one of the most well-oiled machine I've ever seen in my entire life. Like it, it was super impressive. Um, for me, uh, personally, I, I didn't know I was seeking something a little bit more strategic than the sale at, that I was in in the local business side. Mm. And software was that sort of world where I was like, wait, I'm selling to like Harvard MBAs who are like chief marketing officers at, I don't know, Home Depot, just as an example. And that was this new world where I was having super long sales cycles, but those sales cycles were very, very strategic where we were tying our technology to their like 10 K their, their annual re like reviews on how, what changes they need to make in their business. And we were able to have those conversations, tie our value to their strategic initiatives and sign very, very, very large contracts with great businesses. Mm. And I, and the conversations we were having were, were to me a little bit more fulfilling than tra more transactional conversations. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, which was a, Yelp was a higher, like close five, six, seven deals a month uh, sale. And we did that actually early on at Optimizely, but the Optimizely deals were like 100K each. We were just signing a crazy amount of businesses. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was fulfilling. I also got way more access to the engineering departments and other departments than we did at Yelp. And that was really fulfilling for me. So the, the ability to work with engineering, product, marketing, customer support, technical support, like these were other departments where I didn't have access to at Yelp that mm -hmm. gave me a much bigger picture of how to truly run an entire business, which led me to uh, being successful at Returnly. Yeah, no, dude, that's, uh, that's wild. How about, I often uh, hope, I hope that this podcast will eventually get into the hands of like seniors in high school or people in college and they're thinking about what they should pursue. But I think regardless of what you pursue, whether it's sales or not, can you talk about how you, Greg Laz, who uh, we were we were okay students, we were better lacrosse players and we were we had good people skills, but now you're selling in an environment to people with Harvard MBAs, right? Like like that's an intimidating scenario. I, one one that I would say is akin to a brand new college grad getting hired at any company, right? You're just like you, like I don't belong. I don't deserve to be there. How did you cope yeah. with imposter that? syndrome? Yeah, imposter syndrome. Yeah, talk to me about that. Yeah, I think uh, I appreciate you saying that I was a, a, an okay student. I would say I was a very mediocre student at, <laughs> at best. I was <laughs> I was uh, also a history major. Um, and so, <laughs> although that bubonic so, uh, plague, that bubonic plague, I wrote my, I wrote my things on the bubonic plague. So, you know, uh, wow. But I, uh, I also have severe learning disabilities and, uh, ADHD. And so all of this was something that I still fight with today. Uh, and that leads to major imposter syndrome. I had a ton of that when I first got to Optimizely. Because at Optimizely, I was sitting around the table and everybody in the room went to Stanford, 
uh, or some other very good school or most people, except for my two friends, Matt and Cleo. Um, everyone else was like super bright, well-established within their academic careers. And I think for, for me and for some of the other folks who have been successful, uh, everybody, I think it would be a lie if people didn't, people said they never had imposter syndrome. And just define it for me. Yeah, you, yeah, imposter syndrome is when you're in a role or you're doing something that you believe you're not specifically qualified for, that right. you're, you don't fit in. Yeah. And the reality is you, you were put there or hired for that role because you do. Yeah. And you deserve a seat at that table and you need to have that confidence. Even if the confidence is like a fake confidence, you need to at least have that. But I think, I think in order to be successful in an environment where you're operating at a high level and expected to have those types of conversations, you, you need to develop skills, specific skills that can help you. And those skills to me are curiosity. Mm. I think, I think anybody can learn to be curious. And that is whether you're reading, you're asking questions more and listening better to people who are communicating with you. I think uh, you're trying out new things a lot. Like if you didn't cook, maybe you start cooking more. These are simple things that actually help you in life and business. The other is uh, practicing fearlessness, trying new things that, that ties in with, that ties in with curiosity, but practicing being fearless, like, Let's try out this thing. And if it fails, oh, well, at least I tried. Yeah. Right. And the other aspect of it, and this ties into like what I think believe that like comes like the best sellers, the skills the best sellers have are is, is some sort of organizational and project management skills. Mm. And these are all things that people can practice early. Like I don't imagine every 19 year old practicing project management and organizational skills. Trust me, I, I was not. I was practicing how does scotch taste when you drink a lot of it very quickly? Um, <laughs> without ice. <laughs> without ice. Microwave. Um, and, but I think like at the end of the day, these are some of the things that you can do before you get your job to, uh, to be better. I, I still remember Mark when we went bungee jumping yeah. in New Zealand. Sorry. And I, I actually remember falling off the platform, blacking out and not actually jumping my legs, giving out. And I tipped off of the platform because yes, I was scared. Yes, there's a video of Greg passing out. <laughs> on, on a, on the, well, and to your credit, it's the, it was the highest bungee jump in the world at the time. Right, exactly. And But I remember the motivation for me there was that in my life, I wanted to take more risks. Mm. And I wanted to do more than just be like afraid of jumping off a cliff or jumping off of, because you guys used to all jump off cliffs into water all throughout college. And I'd be like, no, man, I'm from a city. That's not me. But really, I was just scared. And, same. and I knew record, at that same. point. Yeah. And I knew at that point, I was like, listen, if I want to take more risks in my life, I need to start here by jumping off this, doing this bungee. Like this is, it will be the first step in my head. This is what was going through my head the first step to me taking more risks in my life oh, and that was my motivation. And that's, that's what helped drive like the move to New York, the move to San Francisco, just like be, taking more risks. Really? And, cool. and, yeah. Really cool. So, so honestly, you said a couple of things there, but they all have the common thread. You need to practice the behaviors in your personal life that you want to reap in your professional life, i.e. being organized, yeah. i.e. taking risks, 
being curious. You got to try new shit. I, dude, that resonates so hard. I, in my, when I interview people or when I train people, I, I, talk, I talk to them about explaining very complex things to me in a way that you would tell your parents or your Uber driver. Yeah. Like, what does our service do? Tell, how would you explain that to the person who picks you up in the Uber or your parents or your grandparents? That's the most like, San Fran thing ever. Explain this to your Uber driver. <laughs> <laughs> While you're on the way to hate Ashburn, can you just explain this that's to your right. Uber driver? That's right. Uh, that's too good. You know what, Greg, when you were telling that story, I had a, um, a lacrosse coach on the way up that I played like whatever, like a select team on the way up in high school. And I remember going to a summer tournament and the kids had on helmets from colleges. And I remember lining up against a kid with like a Q's helmet or a Hopkins helmet. And I remember we played horrible in the first half. I remember like, and I don't even remember the score. That wasn't important. But I remember the halftime speech, him being like, that person that wears that helmet puts on their shoes one at a time. He's like, so you got to get rid of your helmet shock or you're going to face that your entire life. And so I used to remember, and honestly, even when we used to play the top-ranked teams in the country in college, I used to always say to myself before the game, there is no such thing as helmet shock. That guy's helmet comes from the same place my helmet comes from. It's just so, that whole, like, it kind of just, it's kind of just like, I don't really care if I fail. It doesn't matter. You have to try. You have to try, and you have to give it your all. And also, it comes with, like, another skill that, I wish I learned earlier in my, my sales career, but in life, it's just being prepared. Yeah. Right? It's like, there, these are things that are in anybody's control, right? Like, and lacrosse is just like, hey, I might lose this game, but at least I know that I couldn't have trained harder. Right. right. And, I, and I know that I couldn't have done more wall ball. Right. And I know that, like, I literally gave it my all before, and I am as prepared as I can be. If I lose, kudos to the other team. I, but I know they didn't train harder than me. Right. You could have had a better and left hand, for the record. You could have had a better left hand. I, I, <laughs> I'm not gonna let you, no left hand. I, the record, I, I love no you, but hand. I'm not going to let you lie. <laughs> well, I never, I never said I did wall ball with my offhand. It's such a good point. Though. No, no, no. It's, it's such a good you point because it can be empowering in fearless times. Like even when you're bungee jumping, right? Who cares? Totally. Yeah, and it's the same, right? Tying it back to like business and sales, you know, what you can do early on or in your career, early or later as a veteran, is be prepared. Prepare for the speech you have to give. Prepare for the meeting that you're going to. Definitely prepare for the call that you're going to try to sell somebody something. If right. you're in recruiting, prepare for that candidate call, like that you're either representing the business or the candidate. It is, it is, it is preparation and that is really in your control. And if you have a learning disability like myself, or if you went to Harvard, you can prepare the same. It might take you longer like myself if you have a learning disability, yeah, but, but that's fine. Just start earlier. It's such, <laughs> like, a, it's totally it's such a simple message, but it's one that I don't think people focus on enough because I'm guessing now, right? I know you're in a new venture now. That's, that's really new to you, right? Like you're like, I love it. I'm, I'm in. I'm ready to roll. I got a new voicemail too. Awesome. Uh, um, I was going to say, like, even in your new role, Greg, right? Oh, yeah. Different role. You're starting this fund. 
I'm, you got to be going through the same stuff, right? There's got to be people at the table that are 50, 60 years old who have literally the, that experience that you just can't, you can't replicate that. But you also will never get that experience if you don't get the at-bats. I mean, this, yeah, this is, the, this is the perfect example. I mean, so back when I, in my software days, I'm not saying back, like my software days, I, I was managing people who were 25 years older than me. And that's totally fine. Like you're, you're in the position for a reason. Um, and in my new fund, I'm getting into finance. Yeah. And like, <laughs> this is a world that, that I don't know a lot about, to be honest. So I, yeah, it's just 100%. My day is spent researching, reading, understand, having a ton of conversations. I'm talking to three to five businesses a day that we're trying to buy uh, in my private equity fund from cold outreach that all over the world, like this morning I talked to somebody from Poland yesterday and Russia, like all over the world. Uh, and I've never done this before, mm. like ever. And Matt and I just decided to start a private equity fund because we like building businesses. Right. But we have no idea. We had no idea how to do that. Yeah. So it's Badass. just, Give it a try. Let it rip. Let it rip. And, and rip. I think it sounds like you're finding that all the same skills that apply to your success in the previous lives, even though they were not different, they're not yeah. totally different, they were tangential, it doesn't matter. It's the same blueprint. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same. That's awesome. I can tell you that no matter what we do, when we get together in July, I think we're going to have to uh, do a podcast about how that Australia experience affected our professional careers because. It came up in your our conversation today naturally, and I think about it all the time. Just like how oh, doing, doing the unorthodox was crazy. Well, in two thousand eight, in two thousand eight, just like right now, with yeah. these new students who are going to be graduating, there aren't. Unfortunately, I don't know if they know this yet. There aren't going to be a ton of jobs for them. <laughs> and it was the same. Sorry. Sorry if I'm the one that burst up. Sorry if I'm the one who <laughs> burst up so for you. Um, but it was, we did the same. We were the same thing. I remember talking to Hans Borma, and he looked at me. We probably all had a lot of drinks. Hans is our really close friend, Mike's uh, father. Very, very successful man. And he looked at us, and he was like, I'm so sorry that you guys are graduating right now. Yeah. And we were like, well, we're just going to move to Australia. Yeah. I'm going to peace out. And like, that still was probably the biggest life hack ever. And it was just like, let's just not deal with this. <laughs> yes. So as a teaser, and, as a teaser for people so that they listen when we, at the very latest, we'll get this together when we all get together in July, or maybe we'll just do it virtually because we're already on the phone on Saturday nights anyway. The, the bungee jumping experience for you was already one. What other experience? Actually, it doesn't have to be Australia. I don't actually care. Now, when I think back at this, what other experience do you draw on the same way you drew on the fearlessness correlating with the bungee jumping experience for you getting out of your comfort zone? Because I remember we used to be in college and we used to go, we used to go cliff jumping and we used to jump off this bridge in Vermont into the water. And I remember being scared shitless, but I gave into peer pressure earlier like a bitch. Yeah. And Greg stayed stronger. Greg was smarter. Greg was more practical. He's like, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not going on that. And so sounds like you had that moment in Australia. But like, what else, what other moments along your life have you drawn on? I think, I think one of the first things that comes to my mind always is actually going to St. Mike's. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in 
like Chicago, right outside Chicago, Evanston, Illinois, which is one of the most diverse towns in the country. And my high school was 3,600 or 4,000 students. And I ended up going to St. Mike's, which was the whitest school in the whitest state in the country. <laughs> and it had 2,400 students. And I was, I had a reverse That's with, that's with like, grad. Crazy. I think you're like 1,800. <laughs> and I still remember, this is actually like, a, I, I, I still remember this because I lied. I still remember uh, at orientation, I think Tina, actually your wife, was maybe part of this or running one of these like group little orientations for incoming students. Um, I don't know if she was, I, I, I don't know, maybe she was doing that later. Um, but it was like going around a circle to meet all the new students. And they're like, what's your favorite music? And I went like last, I think. And I was a freshman and we were just coming to school and everyone, everyone's like Grateful Dead, Almond Brothers, you know, whatever. And I yes. said something like, I said something like Van Morrison or something. And I like just had learned who Van Morrison was like that week. <laughs> and in reality, my favorite artist was like Three Six Mafia. I was going to say Notorious B.I.G. <laughs> and I was like, but I just needed to fit in because I felt so uncomfortable there oh. being like, I don't know what anybody's talking about. <laughs> um, so that was probably the first like, wow, I'm taking a leap of faith here into just like a completely new world uh for me um i think uh obviously moving to australia i think uh you know man this is going to sound simple but like graduating college was hard for me like i yep. still remember after my after my after first semester freshman year i had a 2.5 or so gpa and you needed a 2.49 to play lacrosse or something like that right and that was first semester and I was like, holy shit, I better get like my act together and take this more seriously. But the ironic um, thing is like for kids who are listening or for people that are struggling, it's like that, sh that pedigree shit doesn't really matter. At all. I mean, I mean I'm sure there's circles where it does. It and we're, we weren't fortunate. Oh, no, it helps. Yeah. It helps. But like, like take it seriously hours. and like if you, yeah, good. No, I was going to say you're 30, you're, you're going to be 35 this year. I hope. Yeah, just turned 34. Yeah. Yeah, so next year. Shit, that's right. You just had your birthday. I called you on your birthday, too. What an asshole. I can't remember that. <laughs> like a week ago. Uh, <laughs> um, the pandemic has got me loose. Um, but I just feel like, I, I just feel like, um, you know, there are certain things that society wants to do, your parents want to do. I know my parents always wanted me to move to New York City and live there and I was like, no, I'm gonna go to Australia and play lacrosse. And they're like, what is wrong with you? But in the end of the day, it's like, there's so many ways to skin the cat. And as long as you're gaining those experiences along the way, the work ethic, the, I love your point on like being curious, um, not being afraid and taking risks. That's the shit that really pays dividends. Not, not how you did on that economics test sophomore year. No, without a doubt. And the other one that I missed is attitude, mm. you know, like, like I, you didn't say I, it out. I, 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 I think I, I, th I, I think of like you, me, and like a bunch of people. It's just like there's things you control. It's just like just have a good attitude. Just mm -hmm. like, you know, like if you're if you're early in your sales career and you're having a hard time getting your first meeting because you're you're cold calling to get another person their meeting, but it's having a hard time. Like all you need to do in order to do better is be curious and be positive. Like yes. those are things that are in your control. Just yes. Like, it's and being positive is half the battle. 
That's it. That's it. Just wake up in it with a smile. Be yeah, grateful for what so you got true. and be for the people that, for learning. Last, dude, I don't think that, that's probably the best way we can end it. I really appreciate you coming on. This was great. I could, the problem with you having you on the podcast is it could be seven <laughs> hours long. So guys, just <laughs> we, Greg wasn't kidding. We all talk on Saturday nights at, I think it's like 8.30 Eastern time. So 5.30 for Greg. We're on for like five hours. <laughs> just shooting the shit. And it's the best time ever. So um, Greg. No, we're, not, we're not talking about things that are too different than this. So it's. Uh, no, uh, you're yeah. right. This is great. You're right. And I, and honestly, uh, Greg, can you, I'd love to have you back to talk Australia. And I'd also love to talk, to have you back to talk about the trials and tribulations of your new business. And, um, and maybe as you're going through this, you're going to have such a good perspective of like which companies don't do well and which companies do well. And I'm going to venture yeah. to guess it's going to have to do sometimes with product and then sometimes with people. So I'd love. Both, both are exactly the same. And I'll bring that on next time. And yes. uh, we'll, we'll hit it hard and uh, we'll have a good time. But this was great, Mark. Thanks for having me. Greg, you're the man. Appreciate it. Have a, have a wonderful day.